This is the Worth Recovery Podcast, featuring women in addiction. Welcome back to Worth Recovery, a podcast featuring women and sex addiction. My name is Amy. I'm your host here, the founder of Worth Recovery. I'm a sexaholic or a sex addict, and I have been sober since December 2nd of 2012. I'm excited to be back with you today. Today is episode 51, and it's the continuation of our deep dive into this 12 steps of recovery. However, I just want to start with a quick story. This last week, as you know, my mom is struggling with cancer, but this last week, my mom asked me to help her out with something. About 10 years ago, my mom started a quilt guild here in her local area. Now, my mom is an amazing quilter, like amazing. She's won awards, she teaches classes, and she does the best hand applique work that I have ever seen. Now, I might be prejudiced, but still, it's beautiful. When she moved from that area where she was living after my dad passed away about five years ago, she quit attending this quilt guild, but the group continued. This is a group of women that she taught how to quilt, and then they in turn taught another group of women how to quilt, and now once a month, they still get together to work on their projects and teach each other new things and to make quilts together. Because this was their 10th anniversary, they reached out and invited my mom to attend their birthday party. Now, in preparation, my mom went through all of her fabric, all of her projects, all of the things that she was planning on doing, and now, due to her diagnosis, was not going to be able to complete. She asked me to help her load it all in her car and to attend this party with her to help her give it all away. Wow, I thought she was going to give it all away. My mom has been a quilter and a seamstress her entire life, and my entire life. I can't remember a time when my mom wasn't working on a sewing project. She made most of my clothes clear through the early days of my high school. As I unloaded the last of the fabric at this party, it took up most of her small SUV. The women were in tears looking at all of the projects. As they started going through it and picking out what they wanted, my mom would make comments like, Oh, I was going to use that fabric and I was in this one over here and I was going to create this quilt and she would hold up the quilt pattern. But I don't have the energy or the time, she said. I lost it. I cried probably far more than my mom at that party. Silent tears, but still tears nonetheless. My mom was sitting here giving away her life. One of the women in attendance told me the fabric was probably worth about $5,000. Wow. $5,000 worth of fabric and patterns and half-made quilts and blocks of the month and designer lines and all sorts of things. It was crazy. As everyone was winding down, my mom said, ladies, don't wait. Don't get to the end of your lives and have a stack of fabric and projects you never completed. Decide what is important in your life and then do it. Decide what you want to do with your life and then do it. Don't wait, she said. I share that message with you today. Don't wait. Did you know that according to ecology.com, 105 people die every minute in the world? Every minute. You never know when or if that will be you. 
My sister has a good friend who fought leukemia for five years. Finally, in remission and cancer-free, he goes back to work after five years of hospital visits and bed rest, only to be killed by a drunk driver on his way to work that day. I know it is so cliche to say, live like you were dying, or live each day like it is the last day that you have. I've always been one to laugh at those types of comments, and I don't want people to be paranoid about dying all the time. We don't need to add dying to our fears inventory if it's not already there. But I would say this, is there a big change you're wanting to make in your life? Is there a big thing you want to learn to do? Is there something that you have always promised yourself that you would do? Now is that time, ladies. Do it now. Don't wait. I kept hearing my mom say that night, dang, I really wanted to make that quilt. Or dang, that fabric is so cute. My mom says dang a lot. (laughs) I wanted to do something with that fabric for my granddaughter. Or I'll never be able to teach my granddaughters how to quilt, she said. And when she said that, I realized, wait, I, I don't know how to quilt. How could I have grown up with a mother who was an award-winning quilter and not know how to quilt? The next day, I called my mom and said, Mom, I want to learn how to quilt. I'm going to come over every Friday for quilt lessons. And she very, very happily agreed. I always thought to myself, "Eh, I'll learn to quilt when I'm older, when I don't have anything else to do, when my life's a little bit calmer. I've always really wanted to learn to quilt. I've always wanted to sew more. I do sew. But I always wanted to be better at it. Thankfully, I have some time to learn to quilt from my mom. And I am super, super excited about it. I've already picked out my first pattern and my fabrics. So my mom's message today is don't wait. Identify the things that are super important and do them now. Work on them now. Learn them now. Start the process now. These women cried as they talked about my mom that night and the amazing things that they had learned from her, not just about quilting. In fact, one woman said that some of the things that my mom had told her had shaped who she was as a person, as a woman, and as a mother. It was inspiring to listen to these women share their heartfelt thoughts about my mom. I'm grateful to have had a mother who has helped and served others. Now, don't get me wrong, my mom and I's relationship has been rocky, and we've had several problems, and I've had several issues to work through on my own. However, I am grateful to have a mother that was in my life, that tried the very, very best that she could to not only help me, but to serve those around her and to help those around her. So, don't wait, ladies. Don't wait. Do what you need to do now. Get it started, at least. Now, before we jump into today's topic of step six, I just have a few announcements. We have coming up in January, our next Worth Recovery event. This will be held on January 21st, 2017 in the Salt Lake City, Utah area. It's the perfect time of year to be in Utah if you like the snow. We have the greatest snow on earth. At least that's our state motto. I'm not a skier, but I do love the snow. I hope you'll be able to join us. There are three major purposes for these events. First, to show you that you're not alone that there are other women struggling with sex addiction. Second, to help you connect with these other women and build a support network. And third, to learn from some local experts about major topics that you need help with. Utah has our largest group of listeners, so I'm excited and I'm expecting a major turnout. Awesome. 
We also have the date selected for our event next year in Seattle. We had such a great time in Seattle, and I love the Seattle area. I'm so excited that we're going to be repeating this event next year on July 15th of 2017. Our theme is going to be Determined to Recover, because we are all determined to recover. And I'm excited that Stacy Sprout is going to be joining us on our speaker lineup for that event. Stacy Sprout has written the book Naked in Public, her memoir of her sex addiction and recovery journey. And if you've been listening, we're doing a series with Stacy. Episodes 54, 56, and 58 are all about Stacy's book and the interview that I did with her. So I'm excited that she's going to be joining us. Mark your calendars. Make sure you're good to go. July 15th, 2017. Now, before we move forward, I also want to give a big shout out to our Worth Warriors. I love you guys so much. Seriously. When a woman reaches out for help in addiction... It is my mission to provide the voice and the hand of a woman to reach back. Worth Warriors, you make that possible. I love you ladies so much. It takes a lot of time to write, produce, edit, and post each of these podcast episodes. You ladies who contribute monthly as a Worth Warrior, you guarantee that this podcast remains free. For all the women out there, I can't thank you enough. I'm so excited. We've recently added some new countries, new women in our to our listenership from different countries throughout the world. And I can't be more excited about that. If you've been enjoying what you're learning, are you a regular listener? Has this podcast helped you even just a little bit? Then get on the website and become a Worth Warrior. There are special perks and discounts for Worth Recovery events. You can join the Worth Warriors for as little as $4 a month. That is a little less than 50 cents an episode. So get on the website, look for the Worth Warriors logo, and join the club. WorthRecovery.com Okay, now let's jump into step six. So this is our first episode on step six. Step six tells us we're entirely ready to have God remove all these defects of character. There are two parts to this step. First, we know we need to understand all of our defects of character, all of them, at least a good portion of them. And second, we need to be entirely ready to have God remove these defects of character. In today's episode, episode 51, we're going to discuss character defects. Are you so excited? Character defects. I know that's my favorite thing to talk about. I'm just being sarcastic here, right? I'm sure you want to spend a whole podcast episode talking about your character defects. Yeah, yeah, it'll be fun. I have a new, I have a, I have a good perspective for you though. Then in episode 53, we're going to discuss being entirely ready to have God remove these defects. If you've done a thorough fourth and fifth steps, you've stared down your past and you've admitted the exact nature of your wrongs. In that process, you've identified some character defects, probably a lot of them actually. As addicts, I think we tend to be really, really hard on ourselves. I think we tend to do that as women too. We tend to focus only on our character defects. We can easily, probably very easily, rattle off a list of things wrong with us. The list of stupid things that we do, ways that we act, the areas of our life where we feel like we are lacking or maybe we're just not good enough. I can do it. I'm selfish. I'm intolerant. I'm not kind enough. I'm judgmental. I'm undisciplined. I'm prideful. Uh, Do I need to keep going? I I don't want to keep going. I can make the list very easily. I'm sure you could too. Now, the Sex Addicts Anonymous, the SAA Green Book, gives us a great definition of what a character defect actually is. This comes from page 48, and it says, quote, 
Character defects are undesirable traits, attitudes, and beliefs that make our lives unmanageable, cause pain to others, and block our spiritual growth. Our problems did not begin with our sex addiction, nor do they end when we enter into recovery. Step six builds on the recognition that our malady has roots that run deeper than just our acting out behavior. It requires the willingness to change fundamentally, to be free of the failings that continue to create serious problems in our life. Close quote. I love that definition. I'm going to quote a lot from the SAA Green Book today because I think they have some really great things to say about step six. This definition of a character defect, any undesirable trait, attitude, or belief that makes our lives unmanageable, causes pain to others, and blocks our spiritual growth. Grab a piece of paper and start writing. What are some of the undesirable traits, attitudes, and beliefs that make your life unmanageable? Maybe they cause pain to others and they block your spiritual growth. What are some of those? Write them down. The Green Book continues with some ideas of these defects. Again, on page 48, quote, Most of us are well aware of our worst character defects long before we get to this step. If we rage, are uncontrollably jealous, are full of resentments, or feel like a doormat, we probably have had some sense of how these patterns have poisoned our lives and relationships. But rather than solving these problems or accepting our lives, we had hunkered down with our addiction. In the sixth step, we become open to the possibility that God can remove the defects we had felt helpless to control and had masked with our acting out. Close quote. In this paragraph, the book gives us some suggestions on some of our character defects. Add these to your list if you feel like they apply. Raging, jealousy, resentment, feeling like a doormat. That is one people might not consider a character defect, but it really is feeling like a doormat. A few paragraphs later, the book suggests a few more. We'll just go one more paragraph, okay? Quote, Our list includes all of the self-defeating attitudes and behavior patterns that have been revealed to us. Examples of unhealthy attitudes may include resentment, grandiosity, self-pity, perfectionism, blaming others, feeling like a victim, and entitlement. Our list of behaviors might include habitual actions such as raging, isolating from others, lying, manipulating, or avoiding conflict. We may also have noted our negative traits or approaches to life, such as greed, envy, selfishness, and self-hatred. It is important to realize that the words, these defects of character, refer to the exact nature of our wrongs admitted in in the fifth step. In step six, we focus on those that have come to our attention through our inventory work. Close quote. Okay, are you starting to feel overwhelmed? Is your paper getting a little full? I believe as addicts, like I said, and as women, it is our nature to focus on the negative aspects of ourselves and our lives. It is easy to feel like we are drowning as we go into the step. We start to feel like all we are is this list of character defects. We start to feel like they aren't defects. Sometimes we feel like our whole character is made up of these negative traits, that they aren't the defects, that they are who we are fundamentally at our core, and that we are broken. And that this is who we are, broken and defective. I know I felt that way. I felt like everything around me was wrong, that my character was just bad, and that the problems I had weren't defects or anomalies. They were the norm for me. And then I had the opportunity through a work function to participate in a strengths inventory. 
our boss decided that he wanted us to be better as a team. And so he hired this team building guy. I don't remember his name. I don't even really remember the program that we went through. But he was supposed to come and administer these strength tests and these team bu- and conduct these team building workshops and do some coaching. It was an awesome experience for me. And on a side note, <laughs> it didn't work out the way my boss had intended. I think he was hoping this guy would say that all the employees were the problem. But what he did was say that our boss was the problem. Anyway, okay. One of the great things he talked about and taught us about was what he called strengths overdone. He gave us some analogy about overcooking bread. When bread is overcooked, instead of being soft and chewy, it becomes hard and rigid. It's the same ingredients, the exact same preparation, the same amount of flour, sugar, and yeast. Yet when subjected to different lengths of the same heat, or maybe different heats, what would normally be a beautiful loaf of bread becomes essentially a paperweight, a hard, solid mass not fit for making sandwiches or eating with dinner. Our challenges, he said, or I'm going to substitute our character defects here, are simply strengths that have been overdone. That changed my life. (laughs) Perfectionism, something I struggle with, is really the desire I have to do my best. But I've taken that too far and I've overdone it. At some point in time, I had a strong desire to do my best. That desire was subjected to heat for too long, and it turned into a desire to be perfect at everything that I did. There were contributing factors in that heat, right, that turned this desire to do my best into perfectionism, something that's caused problems for me. Controlling, something else I struggle with, another one of my character defects, really might have started out as a desire for discipline and for structure in my life. That desire ran wild, again, subjected to intense heat and a variety of factors, and eventually turned into a need to control and provide structure to everything in my life, especially the people in my life. This paradigm shift of character defects being strengths overdone changed my life. Seriously, I'm not exaggerating. No longer did I feel like one big defect. I realized that personality traits, that character traits were fluid, that they could be underdone, soggy on the inside with no real shape or form, and that they could be overdone, becoming defects and liabilities, and that underdone was just as detrimental as overdone, and that the same ingredients went into all of it. And that made me feel like this was something that I could work on, that I wasn't defective at the core, that there had been circumstances in my life, different amounts of heat, different amount of stress that had caused these strengths that I had to be overdone. Let's look at patients as an example. Underdone patients is someone who's impatient, has no patience, and demands things to be done on their timeline. An overdone patience results in allowing people to take advantage of you. Believing empty promises over and over and over again, codependent behaviors and enabling behaviors because you just let people get away with everything thinking that you're being patient for them. This idea of underdone and overdone strengths is also talked about in the Green Book. I told you that, right? The Green Book continues with this subject on page 50. It says, quote, On the other side of every character defect is a character asset. 
Part of the process of becoming entirely ready is to practice these character assets in our actions and choices instead of our defects. If we suffer from emotional rigidity, a character defect, we can look for ways to become more flexible. If we are perfectionists, overly critical, or impatient, we can practice acceptance. Practicing new ways of behavior can help open our hearts to the spiritual changes that God wants for us. Close quote. I love that thought. Behind every character defect is a character asset. And we must practice these assets in our actions and choices so that we can become entirely ready to have God remove these defects of character. When I first entered recovery and was told to stop acting out, I struggled. (laughs) If I quit acting out, what was I supposed to do with my time? Stopping my addictive process and behaviors left a huge hole in my life to fill. A huge hole. I think one of the reasons it took me 18 months to find a sobriety that worked for me is because I had to learn how to fill that hole, fill my time, fill my mind, fill my behaviors with different things, different patterns, different ways of acting and being. The same principle applies here. If I'm going to ask God to remove these defects of character in step seven, part of the process of being entirely ready for these defects to be gone is that I know how to fill my life without them. I know how to behave without them. I know what to do instead. Now, a word of caution here. I'm not saying that when you start practicing these character assets that you have to be behaving that way already or that you have to do it perfectly. I'm just saying that you have to know what to do instead. You have to have an idea of what to do instead, a vision of how you would behave without these defects. I really like the way that the Narcotics Anonymous step guide describes it. This comes from step six guide, quote, we may have had fleeting glimpses in the past of what we could become, maybe during childhood, maybe during our active addiction. We probably thought either that life didn't put us in a place where we could become what we dreamed of, or that we were just innately incapable of rising to a higher place. We may once have dreamed of money or status or position, In the spiritual program of Narcotics Anonymous, we're more concerned about spiritual growth. We want to think about the qualities we wish we had or about other people we know in recovery who have qualities we wish to emulate. As we work this step, step six, we begin developing a vision of the person we'd like to become. If we have been selfish, we probably have a vision of becoming selfless, maybe by helping another addict find recovery or by some other act of selfless giving. If we've been lazy, we may see ourselves becoming productive and reaping the rewards of our efforts. If we've been dishonest, we may have a dream of the freedom that can be ours when we no longer have to spend so much time worrying about being found out. We want to get from this step a vision of ourselves and a sense of hope that we can attain that vision. Close quote. We examine our character defects because they help us create the vision of who we want to become. By looking at our overdone and underdone strengths and our character assets behind those strengths, we start to see a path open up before us. The path that leads to freedom and peace. The path that leads us to the person we want to be. It's not an easy path. It most definitely will require all that we are. It will ask a lot of us with its upward climbs and its twisting switchbacks. It will require us to shed some things and to pick up some other things. 
It will require us to dial back some of those areas of our life where we've overdone and turn up some of those areas in our life that have been underdone. It will require so much, but the payoff is worth it for you will become the woman you've always wanted to be. I challenge you today to look at some of your character defects in a new light. Focus on your list, maybe no more than five. List them. Maybe you've got some ideas here. Recovery literature will help you come up with more if you're struggling to name some of your character defects. Make a list of them. Write them out. Think about the true desire underneath that character defect. Think about what they would look like if they weren't overdone or underdone and start to create this vision of who you want to be. In our next episode on this step, episode 53, we will talk about being entirely ready. Once we have this list and we know how we need to behave instead, kind of what that asset is, we need to become entirely ready to have these defects removed. And in our next episode, we will discuss how we work on our readiness. As always, ladies, I hope you remember that no matter what is going on in your life, no matter how far you think you've gone, no matter how you feel in this moment, you are worth recovery. 100% worth it. I know that. Keep up the fight. Don't forget, you can support Worth Recovery by being a Worth Warrior. If this podcast has helped you even a little bit, if you think it's worth 50 cents, Get online and join the movement. All the details are on our website, worthrecovery.com. Ladies, I think about you, I pray for you, and I love you. Until next time, Amy. stuff. The mission of Worth Recovery is to dispel shame and build hope in the lives of women struggling with and recovering from sex addiction. I am not associated with any 12-step group, religious organization, or therapeutic clinic. I am an addict sharing my own experiences and recovery.